The first atomic bomb was dropped on Hiroshima. Over humanity! The fires of frustration and discord are burning. And Let us not forget for a moment the toils and efforts that lie ahead. They say that those who forget their history are condemned to repeat it. This is the History Lessons Podcast with certified financial planning practitioner Patrick Huey, author of History Lessons for the Modern Investor and your guide to financial wisdom in the past, present, and future. You ready? Good. Let's get historical. Historical? Yep. This is the History Lessons Podcast for the week of January 29th, 2024. I'm Patrick Huey, author of History Lessons for the Modern Investor. And if you're a modern investor seeking some historical perspective, once again, you're in the right place. This week, we'll be talking about primary data, historical stimulus, and prepping for tax season. But first, the news. Well, in case you missed it in the news, it is primary season. And the data seems to be splitting the market's vote, at least on interest rates. Personal incomes are quietly on the rise. In December, personal incomes rose by a modest 0.3%. Not a landslide victory, but enough to keep the campaign rolling. Private wages and salaries joined the party, edging up by 0.3% in December and flaunting a respectable 6.5% increase over the past year. In that same report was good news for inflation. PCE, the Fed's preferred measure of inflation, rose by just 0.2% in December. This race is tightening and is nearly within the margin for error, enough to keep pundits guessing until the last minute. The 12-month comparison now shows a 2.6% increase down from the feverish 5.4% of December 2022, and just that much closer to the Fed's self-declared 2% target. But it's not a declared winner just yet. New home sales continue to be a housing odyssey, uh, the housing market, a battleground where bidding wars and mortgage, relate, mortgage rates collide like candidates on the debate stage. In December, new single family homes rallied, uh, sales rallied with an 8% increase, wrapping up 2023 on a relative high note. Despite a dip in activity since the summer, the year as a whole saw a 4.2% uptick from the previous year. It's the comeback story of 2023. And the grand finale is real GDP. In the fourth quarter, GDP flexed its muscles, growing at a robust 3.3% annual rate. Bit of a election day surprise, we'll call it. Exceeding expectations. Personal consumption led the charge with every major component of GDP joining the victory parade. The year as a whole boasted a 3.1% annualized growth rate, something we haven't seen since 2019. Okay, the great debate now is market expectations. But first, Despite the news. expectations of rate cuts in 2024, if our economy stays robust and continues its upward trajectory, it's not really easy to envision the Federal Reserve slashing short-term interest rates by the 125 to 150 basis points that the market seems to have priced in. And lesser rate cuts than the market predicts could make stocks a volatile proposition in 2024. 
So what might prompt the Fed to implement such a substantial rate cut of 125 or 150 basis points? It would likely take either a significant plunge in inflation down below that 2% target or a downturn in economic growth. While reduced inflation is certainly favorable, the question remains, can we expect a further sharp decline without a weakened economy? Interest rates are rising, and your annuity purchased in the last decade might not be keeping up, which means your financial plan may be falling behind. So if you own a deferred annuity, fixed, indexed, or variable worth more than $250,000, now is the time to review it and make sure it is doing all that it can for you and your financial plan. Let us help you keep your retirement on track. Introducing Victory Independent Planning. VIP turns complex financial matters into clear and confident solutions. So you can relax and enjoy retirement whenever it arrives. Get the annuity review kit now. This complimentary kit includes a variety of checklists, resources, and eBooks to review the fees, features, and flexibility, or lack thereof, in your current annuity contract. It will even help you assess your overall investment goals and the people who are offering you advice. Get the kit today, because you can't teach an old annuity new tricks. To learn how VIP can help you review your annuity, click on the link in the show notes or go to victoryindependentplanning.com. That's victoryindependentplanning.com. Sign up for peace of mind today. Uh, Alexa, charge the Wayback Machine for me and set it for 1761 AD. Charging Wayback Machine. On January 29th, 1761, Abraham... Alphonse Albert de Gallatin was born in modern-day Switzerland. While at the Academy of Geneva, he became disenchanted by the traditional, socially inhibited life of the Swiss. A student of the Enlightenment, he admired the democratic spirit of the United States and emigrated here in 1780, carrying letters of recommendation from none other than Benjamin Franklin. Albert Gallatin's long political career included stints in both the House and the Senate, representing Pennsylvania, and under President Jefferson, he became the fourth Secretary of the Treasury. He went on to be the longest tenured head of, head of the Treasury, serving under Jefferson and Madison from 1801 to 1814. But unlike the first Secretary of the Treasury, Alexander Hamilton, no one's made a Tony Award-winning musical out of his life story. At least, not yet. Maybe I'll get to work on that in my spare time. Oh, how times have changed. I mean, isn't it difficult to imagine anyone serving in a cabinet post for 13 years in modern politics? But Gallatin and Janet Yellen might have more in common than you think. In 1810, Gallatin urged Congress to create a $20 million loan program to support manufacturers. Now, while the effort came to naught, the idea of stimulating parts of the economy is nothing new. However, the dollar amounts at stake differ by a few strategically placed zeros and a couple of commas. Here's a recent summary that would make Gallatin cough up his chocolate and cheese. On March 27, 2020, the historic CARES Act was signed, putting $2.2 trillion of stimulus money into the economy. Just before the calendar year page turned to 2021, 
we added an additional $900 billion stimulus package, representing the second largest federal stimulus package in history after the CARES Act. And on March 11th, 2021, we pushed through the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan. Just eight months later, another $1.2 trillion was authorized for spending on the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. And then came the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. When we add together the three rounds of stimulus checks, the Federal Reserve's actions during the course of the pandemic, plus the infrastructure spending bill, the, stra- the staggering total is somewhere between 10 and $12 trillion. Talk about disenchanting. Wayback Machine disengaged. Returning to the year 2024. Well, finally, this week, it's on to the mailbag. You've got mail. And this week's question of the week was, how do I get ready for tax season this year? In preparing taxes, remember, I am an accredited tax preparer, even though I don't make the actual preparation a part of my practice. So I should say, when planning for taxes or tax season, what I've found is it's easiest to gather documents and files centered around the three major components of a tax return. And those are income, deductions, and credits. Now, you can't have income taxes without income, at least not yet. Believe me, they're they're working on that. So that is where we want to start with our document collection efforts. So first of all, did you earn wages as an employee? If so, obviously, you need to collect your W-2 forms, including all the copies showing all the boxes of states and localities, et cetera. Did you receive or recognize equity compensation, including Section 83B elections? This is an Internal Revenue Code provision giving an employee or founder the option to pay taxes upfront on the fair market value of a restricted equity grant. If so, you need to collect your forms 3921 and 3922 and be mindful of any adjustments that may be needed. Did you earn income as a self-employed individual? If so, you're going to need your 1099-NEC, 1099-MISC, 1099-K, or the like, and gather the documentation of all your income and expenses. Did you have taxable investment accounts and or interest-bearing accounts? If so, you're going to need your 1099-B for brokerage, or your 1099-D for dividends, or 1099-INT for interest. Sometimes you'll even see the 1099 consolidated or composite. And if you wait long enough, typically by February or March, one of those will have a correction and you'll see a corrected 1099 as well. One of the reasons why we encourage folks to be patient when it comes to filing their taxes. Okay, did you make any withdrawals from a retirement plan or insurance policy, including rollovers, Roth conversions, et cetera? If so, you're going to need those 1099-Rs, which are starting to become available as we speak, depending on where those accounts are custodied. Did you receive any sources of retirement income, like pension or annuity or Social Security? If so, you'll need your 1099-Rs or your Social Security 1099. Uh, And if you retired from the uh, railroad board, it's an RRB 1099. Did you sell your home or other real estate? If so, Form 1099-S is for you. You'll also want documentation of your cost basis. So any improvements you made to your property over time that are going to affect that cost basis, be ready to document. Did you receive any alimony? 
excluding child support, property settlements, et cetera, from a divorce that was finalized before January 1st of 2019. If so, you'll need the uh, relevant details, dates of the agreement, et cetera. And finally, did you receive any other sources of income? Income from IRS Schedule Part 1, maybe, or, uh, well, that Part 1 of Schedule 1 is where you'll report the following types of income, like taxable refunds of state and local income taxes, alimony received, if, again, it's dated before December 31st, 2018, income or loss from business. Or if you're in a partnership, you may have gotten a K-1 or be getting a K-1. More on that in a second. If so, gather up those tax forms and any other details that may apply. Now, a note on Schedule K-1. This is an internal revenue service tax form issued annually for an investment in a partnership. And the purpose of the Schedule K-1 is to report each partner's share of the partnership's earnings, losses, deductions, and credits. So Schedule K-1 serves a similar purpose as Form 1099. Now, some investment vehicles, including ones owned in our portfolios, are formed as partnerships. And instead of 1099s, they send K-1s to their investors. Now, I've identified two such investments across our investment models that will send out a K-1. If you held either VIXY or IAU in your portfolio, please do not file your taxes until receiving your K-1s. Now, not all investment models have these positions. So if you have questions, feel free to let me know. And remember, March 15th is the deadline for partnerships to issue individual schedule K-1s to each partner, which will give you just a little bit over a month to file your personal federal income tax returns, which are due on April 18th. If you add all of your income sources together, you will get your gross income. But remember, this is not your taxable income. And that's because First, you have to subtract your deductions. And income minus your deductions will give you a simple calculation of what is called adjusted gross income. Now, for 2023, the standard deduction available to everyone is $13,850 for single filers. And those married filing separately, it's $27,700. I'm sorry, I said that wrong. It's $27,700 for those married filing jointly. In addition to that, you can add $1,500 per taxpayer that is over the age of 65. Okay, if the combinations of the following is greater than the standard deduction, you may choose to itemize your deductions. So for example, are you self-employed? If so, gather up that documentation of all your deductible business expenses, including the home office, vehicle use, health insurance premiums, long-term care premiums, et cetera, and check for the potential eligibility for the qualified business interest deduction as well, the QBI. Did you contribute to any retirement plans or other tax advantage accounts? Make sure you have documentation of those deductions. Did you pay a significant amount of medical expenses? If so, gather up any relevant details, amounts paid, uh, but be mindful that there are limitations, significant limitations on claiming this deduction, especially there's a 7.5% AGI floor for these deductions, meaning 
only expenses that exceed 7.5% of the value of your adjusted gross income for medical expenses will be deductible. And that's a pretty high bar uh, to try and get over. Did you pay state and or local taxes? If so, gather up the details on those. But be mindful that the state and local tax limitations are $10,000 on claiming those deductions. Did you pay interest on a mortgage, home equity loan, or home equity line of credit? If so, you'll need your Form 1098 and other relevant documentation about interest paid, points paid, origination dates, et cetera. And be mindful of the deduction limitations here as well. For example, funds must be used to buy, build, or substantially improve your home if you're deducting for home equity lines. Did you pay any interest on qualified student loans? If so, make sure you've got your Form 1098E. Did you make any, did you make any donations to a qualifying charity, including cash, non-cash, property, stock, et cetera? If so, get those details together. Uh, you're going to need valuation de details for gifts of non-cash property. And remember that unlike in the COVID years, if you don't end up qualifying for itemized deductions, then your charitable donations will not be deducted on your taxes. There's no longer a three to $600 above the line deduction, regardless of which deduction, standard or itemized, you take. And this is a good time to remind you consider bunching things like charitable deductions for multiple years, perhaps using a donor advised fund, along with multiple years of things like property tax to help yourself qualify for that itemized deduction when possible. It's very easy to pay your tax at the end of the year in November, and then pay tax for the next year in December. And that's what we would call bunching. Finally, to determine taxable income, we subtract any tax credits. And while tax deductions raise how much, excuse me, reduce how much of your income is subject to taxes, tax credits directly reduce the amount of tax you owe, giving you a dollar for dollar reduction of your tax liability. Tax credit valued at $1,000, for instance, lowers your tax bill by the corresponding $1,000. So it pays to figure out which, if any of the numerous tax credits out there you may qualify for. Some of the easy ones include, do you have any children, including adopted, or other dependents? If so, you're gonna need documentation to prove dependency status and substantiate costs paid. Uh, you may need custody and or support arrangements, and you may need IRS form 8332. Did you, your spouse, or your dependents incur any qualifying education expenses? Let's get out those receipts and check out uh, your 1098T forms. Did you buy an electric vehicle or make an energy efficient home improvement? Time to get those documents out. Did you, your spouse, or your children obtain health insurance through the marketplace? Make sure you've got your uh, form 1095A if that's the case. Did you make any estimated tax payments or did you apply a tax overpayment from last year towards this year's tax liability? Make sure you have that documented. Are there any other tax credits that you may apply to your situation? Things like the American Opportunity Credit, the Lifetime Learning Credit for Education, the Adoption Tax Credit, the Earned Income Tax Credit, the Foreign Tax Credit, 
and the retirement savings contribution credit. Make sure that if you think you might qualify for one of those, you have it documented why. Well, my fellow historians, that's all for this week. Be sure to check out my book, History Lessons for the Modern Investor. That's still available on Amazon.com. And be sure to do all the social stuff for us. Like this episode, follow us wherever you see or hear your podcasts. And be sure to give us those five-star reviews. We continue to be available on Substack, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Until next week, when we'll take another rollicking romp through the past and make an investment in your future with history lessons for the modern investor. See you next week.